0: Hey everyone, this is Vicky from Vivid Talks. Today, I'm bringing on a very special guest and a dear friend, a musician, Sean XG, who has self-taught himself over 20 different musical instruments. He's performed at a lot of different live performances around the world, such as the Winspear Center, as well as the Chicago Symphony Hall. And he's also produced music for movies and films. I want to share his journey of how he started off as a 16-year-old boy who's super passionate about music to someone who's produced music for around the world. So hi, Sean. Can you introduce yourself and let everyone know what kind of creator you are.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Sean. I do a lot of things within the sphere of music. The main job right now is a composer. Because I write, I also arrange music. I have also produced music as well. And then aside from that, I'm a, I guess you would call it independent artist. I'm actually a music teacher as well. Everything about the world of audio, it interests me. So
0: I can see that you have a really cool like setup with all of your instruments in the background. That's crazy amazing. You play so many different instruments.
1: True and not true. I like dabbling with a lot of different instruments just so that I don't anger the other instrumentalists out there who may try to check up on how valid my instrumental skills are. I will say that you know for a lot of the instruments, I wouldn't say that I am performable. With the instruments, if I was to like hold a concert, and I was to play like solo saxophones or something like that, I don't think I would be able to hold a match to maybe even a high school student. I do it primarily for the sake of recording. When everything's digital, you can have as many takes as you want. When it comes to instruments that I am performable, and that's definitely going to be the guitar, as you can see, I have lots. String instruments are my specialty. I was a band geek. I played the trumpet as well, starting from grade seven. A lot of wind instruments as well. I've managed to be able to do it. I'm a music teacher, so I have to know a lot of wind instruments in general.
0: When did you start dabbling into music?
1: Quite a while ago at the age of 13. So unlike a lot of stereotypical Asian kids. I wasn't forced to play piano or like play violin. Like I was never classically trained at all. It was a Christmas day. I'll never forget. My dad took me to a music store. He decided that he was gonna buy me an acoustic guitar. He saw that I had an inkling of an interest in guitars. It just seemed cool to me at the time. And I was wondering why, actually. And he said it's because you play too much video games, which I was, <laughs> <laughs> which I was. Makes
0: sense.
1: Yeah. That's his way of like trying to find me a hobby, essentially. I did a very stereotypical guitarist thing where you start off, you get an acoustic guitar, you get a book. It was one of those like Hal Leonards beginners guitar book. I learned about like three pages in. And then for some reason, I just found it like very intoxicating. It just gave me a lot of sense of success. I didn't really understand what it was. I just couldn't put it down for some reason. Being a teenager, it's very easy to get obsessed with things. And then so it would just <laughs> so happened to be that it was the guitar. Things just kind of snowballed from there. Like at that time, I was also starting off band, started playing the trumpet and I just loved the guitar more than the trumpet, but I still play them at the same time. A sense of accomplishment with the Instrument just drove me further and further or exploring more things into the world of music. Eventually, I actually self taught myself the piano as well. It was a hopping to do. to do? <laughs>
0: it's
1: like, you know, you like River Flows in You and Kiss in the Rain. There'll be guys in my class who are trained in piano. They start playing that, and every single girl around them would be like, ah! <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> Oh, so it was for like, picking up girls. <laughs>
1: Not a hundred percent, but I think to a certain percentage, both the guitar and the piano, I picked it up to, to <laughs> pick up grass as a young boy. Yes. <laughs> as
0: a young boy. <laughs> oh, I see. Like, cause it was just kind of like a hobby, like a trending thing yeah. for you to do back in school. So what got you to continue pursuing it after you graduated high school?
1: Well, YouTube became a thing back in the days. YouTube used to have a star rating system rather than the like or dislike button. That was when I started YouTube. When I played the guitar for other people, they seemed very drawn to it. They gave me compliments. And I think as I somebody who was a bit deprived of encouragement and compliments as a kid I think that really like was intoxicating for me I was playing too much video games and I think yeah. for the first time in my life I felt like I'm actually doing something that's worthwhile
0: video games are worthwhile too
1: <laughs> yeah, games are very worthwhile for sure but then you know like real things you know, <laughs> that's more real and concrete right there's something to that social validation that was just very intoxicating for me I wanted to get better at it I wanted to get better at the guitar I saw YouTube as a more like global platform I started to post videos of me playing guitar up on YouTube. Nobody realized at the time that you could get famous off of YouTube, you know, especially right. that early back in the day, you know, I saw YouTube more as a social platform rather than a media platform. I posted my videos up on there to hopefully try and improve my guitar skills. I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong. I wanted real critiques from people from around the world and instead what I got was like a lot of comments about like oh wow like that was really good and then that was even more intoxicating to me I' was like wow I decided to keep going because of that support you probably know that as well is that you just build up a kind of a fan base
0: following and yeah yeah
1: for a 15 16 year old boy that's one of the coolest things to be all of a sudden like you were nobody hundreds of And then thousands of people all of a sudden start following you. That craziest thing. You never could have imagined that. Part of it was those fans, and part of it was feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. It proved to a lot of people in my life who kind of doubted me, who kind of doubted that I would ever amount to anything. To me, in my mind, at least, it proved them wrong.
0: (laughs) I'm glad you are doing what you are doing now because whenever I listen to your music, I get like the goosebumps. I get the chills running up my arms. I'm just like, wow. The first time I listened to you play with your orchestra at Animathon, first song, I think it was like the Pokemon orchestra and I was like getting so like teary sitting at the front row just absorbing and soaking all of this live music in. There's definitely something different, you know, when you listen to live music versus like a recorded session, right? Your music's really powerful, it's impacted me. <laughs> so that's why I love listening to you and your success stories.
1: Oh, oh, thank you so much. That genuinely means a lot. It's support and like encouragement like that is probably why I would say the best thing about me doing music. Having this opportunity and now opening up my life to people from around the world and people from different professions. In terms of just life enrichment, I couldn't ask for anything better.
0: You said you spent a lot of time on YouTube building out your branding and your reach, but you also did some like live performances too, right? Can you kind of elaborate more about that?
1: I have to thank a lot of my school teachers because, you know, before I started doing live things, I was given opportunities within my junior high and high school to perform my instrument live. It gave me a platform to actually start to get used to playing live because obviously the first time you do everything, you're Absolutely terrible at it. <laughs> I remember the first ever time I ever played that thing live. My hands were shaking so terribly. Every single note that I hit was like probably like a sixty percent accuracy. Just the nerves just hit you so badly. A lot of people ask me, "Is like what's the cure to stage fright?" I was like, "There's no cure. You just have to keep doing it, keep failing, or keep being nervous and have your heart try to pump out of your chest." You know, it's, that's what I get. You know, when I'm nervous, every single heartbeat is like shaking my entire body. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was really grateful to my teachers for letting me make. a all those mistakes within school because then my first real gig was with the metal band i know i know
0: <laughs> metal <band. laughs> that's okay that was a cool thing
1: <laughs> eventually after two years of playing the acoustic guitar i blew to an electric guitar to me it was just cooler i joined the metal band you know because at the time when you're playing electric guitar that was just the thing you played metallica you played Iron Maiden, I had great bandmates, because you know, we had this kind of camaraderie, you work together, you fail together, you play together, that kind of things so felt less, I guess, nerve wracking. So that was locally. And then eventually it built up from there, I got to play in other countries, Wow. other parts nationally, a few different parts in the United States as well. How the heck did that happen? Things in life just happened randomly. And the more that I played live, the more I'm able to feel like myself, because I feel like that's when I do live shows. It's almost like what I live for the audience interactions, being in, in the moment, just play playing music for the sake of it, I think you will probably agree because we've done live shows actually.
0: Yeah, we've done live shows together. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, when you're live, especially when you're not used to doing music live, you're thinking about all the technical things you're thinking about, oh, I need to hit this note of this part, can't pull out this technique at this part. I'm, I'm fortunate to have done enough live shows to the point where it's given me the confidence to not worry about that. And to just think about the music in general, when I do it, just Have fun doing it two cool places i got to play live locally we have the edmonton windsphere i believe is one of the greatest sounding concert halls in the world actually oh really we're actually very spoiled because of it
0: i didn't know that
1: acoustically by a dutch guy actually and the acoustics are actually incredibly good i got to play electric guitar in front of an entire orchestra probably one of the coolest things and the other one was actually i got to play at chicago symphony hall
0: wow
1: that's like a symphony hall that's over like however many hundreds of years old
0: so what instrument were you playing at the chicago symphony hall
1: i was playing a double bass Actually, i was also playing with an orchestra as well
0: congrats (laughs) that's so cool
1: i know i know yeah that's the one thing why i look back on it i have a hard time being humble you can't be like oh that's nothing it's not nothing it
0: is something right yeah
1: i'm playing in this well-known internationally revered concert hall and i'm just like how did I get here? <laughs> that being said, though, if you're talking about live performances, the musician career is very, very interesting because literally when I came back from playing the Chicago Symphony Hall, I came back and I was playing at a bar in front of four people here in Edmonton. <laughs> so <laughs> You go from one end of the spectrum, you're literally on the other end, right?
0: Right. They're all different experience though, right? You also like write a lot of music too. Like, is there a current project you're working on right now?
1: There is a current project. Unfortunately, I don't think I get to share it.
0: Oh,
1: it's an interesting project. I'll say for sure. I think it kind of has to do with actually our realm of work.
0: Oh, the nerdy realm. Okay, I'm really interested about that.
1: No, I can be a little bit more specific about that. It's the weeby, realm.
0: The weeby <laughs> realm. Okay, okay, got
1: it. Taking whatever time that I can find for the longest time I was actually focusing on, you know, other careers and other projects and things like that. That wasn't my own what I really wanted was to actually write my own music from literally nothing say things that are inspired by my own life. So that's basically what I'm working on. But it's right. a slow slog. So yeah.
0: <laughs> so can you explain to us like when you're creating like a new piece like that you're making on your own? Like what's your workflow or your process for doing that?
1: It really varies. I consider things that I write for you know, the TV shows, the short films and things like that. I consider that to be my own songs as well. I really, really liked a lot of them because I think the way that it came about was so organic for example like for films we start off with a story right we start off talking about you know what the story of it is and then i get inspired by that it's a very jackie chan inspired comedy action kind of thing now i'll be like oh that's really great and i go back and i watch my favorite jackie chan you know movies right. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: I get inspired by the kind of music that it has there's an original song coming out pretty soon of mine called midnight state of mind it's kind of a very organic acoustic guitar piece that i wrote literally in the night wrote it i recorded it all in the night because wow something came over me i don't know what it was and i just couldn't stop writing it i think i stayed up all the way till like three or four a.m to finish doing it but go to sleep literally i'm gonna wake up the next morning i'm gonna forget all of this
0: you're in like your artist vibe you don't want to like you know wreck that moment right
1: it started off literally around midnight that's why i said it's called midnight state of mind it was actually a time where i was struggling with a lot of things about life i was having a bit of a identity crisis both musically and personally you know what i wanted to do with my life because guitar is my most competent instrument i guess i was able to kind of express that a bit better but i just started off as like and i was like that's a nice sounding chord (laughs) and then i was like well what can i do with that just kind of kept going from there and i was like wow i like that how do i keep going with it i was literally in that kind of a vibe i got other instruments around the house i have a trumpet i have trombones i have french horns i have flutes i have clarinets i'm a very curious person overall so i'll just take them out i'll try them out i play something that gives me an idea and then i'll be like oh wow that's cool and now write it out and then you just develop it even further right this is why i have my setup like this oh yeah sometimes i just like to dabble on the piano i'll just make up things so i don't know like that's a bit cheesy that sounds like something that should belong in a asian drama or something like that if it feels like it needs a beat i boot up my recording program i boot a cubase immediately and then i start recording what i do next i have no idea
0: (laughs) it just kind of comes with like whatever creative vibes you have right
1: it all comes in the moment as someone who, you know, went to music school and have learned a lot of theories and things like that, I sure as heck don't use that a lot. <laughs> when it comes to my composition, I try not to rely on it. Theory is great and all, but I feel like if I 100% rely on theory to write something, it sounds too stiff.
0: You want to come from the heart so that it's whatever you're feeling and not really hindered by a lot of the rules, right?
1: I'm a very steely type of person.
0: Above your piano, is that ca- like a Chinese zither?
1: It's a Chinese zither, exactly. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Chinese editor is called like the guzheng. I like to call it one of the easiest instruments to make stuff up on. For those of you who are musically educated, it's tuned to the pentatonic scales. Ooh. So it's literally all black keys on the pianos. You can make whatever up. Like, I'm just going to play some rap. Like, I'm not going to look.
0: What would you say would be your biggest challenge as a musician
1: i think i had a huge confidence problem when it came to the type of music that i write my musical taste has been primarily shaped by pop music music that it's very easy to find type of music that you learn in music school or you talk about in music school aren't always pop music most of the time it will be a jazz music school they call themselves contemporary music school but then you primarily do jazz things and then another type of music school that you would go to are primarily a classical music school and so pop really isn't in the equation and it was a bit sad for me because i think it touches a lot of people it has a lot of potential if you go to those kind of music schools to no fault of the institution but i had a huge problem with believing that what i wrote sounded good because jazz is very complex classical music is very complex very rich in harmony music institutions can make you believe that if you're not making music that's like that then you're making trash pretty much oh no if your music consisted of four chords then i'll have a lot more complexity to it sometimes your music just needs two chords maybe even one chord from time to time. And then it can be a great song. When we looked at examples of great music, we always looked at jazz music or classical music. That's kind of what we go to for great music, like great written music. For the longest time, I would be like, Oh, no, I gotta make this a lot more complex. And usually it always made it sound not worse, but just not how I wanted to express it. I had a hard time getting over that mindset. And there was a bit of ego involved in that as well. I didn't feel like myself, but I feel like myself wasn't good enough. I think just recently, I'm able to kind of acknowledge that no matter what you learn in your artistic journey those are just things that you can put into your library that doesn't mean that you always have to use all of them right it's like a dj you just take the stuff that you like if you like it then you like it if you don't then you don't it's not what other people think
0: music is like highly subjective so it's really hard to teach it a specific way yeah
1: it's your opinion then right there's no right right or wrong answer so you have to stand tall with your opinion, right?
0: How do you do the recording part and actually the, the production of the piece? Do you do it like digitally, like you record the sound and you piece things together on your computer.
1: Yeah, I do things digitally for sure. I have a great memory for music. I can remember lyrics. I can't sing very well, but I somehow wow. memorize the lyrics a lot better than a lot of my vocalist counterparts. Oh. And I remember like notes, especially if it's short term memory, I memorize almost all of it very, very well and all the intricacies of it, I would dabble on the piano. And if I feel like it sounds good, my computer is right here, I fire up my digital audio workstation, I just immediately lay it down. And then once I lay it down, at least I have something like that's the original idea, right? Whenever I feel more inspired to take that a little bit more further, then I go back to it and I work on it. I feel like other instruments need to be in there. This is kind of why my home setup is kind of like this. So I can grab that bass if I feel like there needs to be a bass in there. And then in the closet is the mess of all the wind (laughs) instruments. If it's really something that's just like in my head, and I feel like it takes too long to kind of get the idea out, I actually just take my phone and I do a low voice memo It's thinking to it but like a melody or like a little idea or something like that going back to the whole composition thing sometimes i actually hear a song and i feel like i do the thing where it's like oh you idiot you should have written that song oh it was a new song that just came out how can i take the song and kind of be inspired by it and how do i make that my own there's a bit of a saying with composers is that good composers create great composers steal
0: oh really
1: <laughs> as long as it doesn't violate copyright laws
0: right well yeah, because I guess music you can't really copyright yeah. it unless it's like the exact song, right? There's a few
1: things you can't copyright. I believe you can't copyright a drum beat. you can't copyright oh, the chord yeah. progression. There's a few things you can't copyright but there's actually many things that you cannot. <laughs>
0: that's good to know. So what would be one piece of advice you would give someone that's aspiring to be a musician? or to write their own music?
1: Number one is you don't know a lot of things, and that's great. It keeps you humble, and it keeps you improving a lot faster. I think at least that's what I feel is what helped me, because I still feel at this point that I don't know anything. I'm at the mercy of my brain, so that's actually played to my advantage because then it makes me go out and actively get materials, look at different songs to try and make this project better. I think it's good to maybe keep your expectations low and always think you're terrible.
0: Stay humble and you can keep learning, right?
1: (laughs) Number two is do what you feel is right unapologetically. I like writing music for as many people as possible. There's a great clinic by john Mayer that he gives at Berkeley in 2008. It's up on YouTube. I think every single musician needs to watch it. It's one of the best clinics I've ever heard. If you want to be a pop star, if you want to write pop music, it's not dirty word. You know, it just means that you're writing music for as many people as possible. Just say you want to be a pop star. Don't be like, Oh, I'm gonna be indie. You know, (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna write music for yourself yeah do that right but you know at the same time you have to think about what the game of that is right and number three is that when the going gets rough just remember this loser (laughs) you know i used to be the asian kid with the buzz cut and the sweater vest i had no musical talent absolutely none i think at one point i said i hated music oh
0: wow
1: imagine turning from that kid to playing in the wind spirit in the chicago symphony hall and being able to compose music for films movies get noticed by famous composers and being able to perform around the world and get to meet cool people because of those opportunities and you know getting interviewed right now anything can happen so remember that loser when the going gets tough right
0: you're my favorite loser (laughs)
1: I know. (laughs) Thank you. I guess if you want to see more, subscribe. And I have a lot of things coming up. Keep your eyes and your ears peeled. Also, stay tuned for our project coming up.
0: I know. We have our project. I think it's going to be done in the beginning of January. If you want to check out Sean's social media and information, just check out the links below. Definitely listen to some of his works at One Man Orchestra videos. They're (laughs) really cool. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And I hope you guys got something out of this and get inspired to pursue whatever passion or dreams that you have. Thanks so much again, Sean.
1: All your drinks.